So here we are. This is Flowers on the Stage, and co-hosting with me today is producer Katie Daly. Hello, everybody. And the one and only Nick Schultz from Illico Media. Hey, how's it going, y'all? Thanks for having me. We've got Sam Andres, also known as 5AM, from 5AM and 5AM Trio. And yeah, stoked to have you on here, Sam. How you doing today? Doing all right, Cam. How you doing? Doing great. So yeah, yeah let's dive in. Let's dive in. Got uh, So starting this off, going to have some questions from the crew here, starting with Nick. Yeah, man. I, uh, Sam, well, like I said uh, earlier, before we start recording, I'm a big fan of your music. There's a great deal of people that are pretty unfamiliar with the genre of music that you specialize in, uh, that I'm a big fan of. Um, if you were to sit at the dinner table with my grandmother, how would you explain the genre of music that you specialize in? I would say that it's electronic music that's influenced by jazz and funk. Uh, I do cater my uh, genre descriptions to who I'm talking to because uh, it's very right. context dependent. If I'm at a music festival, somebody asked me what I make, I might make certain assumptions about what they already know versus if I'm at like uh, yesterday, I was actually at my grandma's 90th birthday and a bunch of her friends from uh her uh, apartment complex were asking me like, so what do you make? And like, I know that they are, you know, in their seventies and eighties and might not know the, even the term like jam bands, you know, they, they might know it, but I prefer to stick with what they definitely pro know, which is probably, uh, you know, uh, electronic music. A lot of them are, knew, knew what computer music was like the bleeps and bloops. So they can kind of relate to it that way. And that's the lineage that I'm part of anyway. Is, so. is that what they called it? The bleeps and bloops? Specifically. Yeah. <laughs> i dig it yeah that's uh when i think of like a couple a couple guys let me see if i can remember their names uh carl heinz stockhausen was one of them carl heinz stockhausen was like used a bunch of found sounds like recordings of like okay like shaking around in a jar or like drawers opening and closing uh and uh the other one is raymond scott who had it's a like big stomp right like yeah like stomp yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, you we also call it Foley sounds. And then uh, this guy, Raymond Scott, who uh, had a big lab that had like a big s synthesizer in it or two or three and uh, made all the sounds for R2-D2. <laughs> nice. So those, that's the where the bleep loops come from. Did you now did you play the hits for the grannies? No, I didn't. But when I, when oh. I got there, I was like, this would have been a perfect place to do a live looping set. Damn. I know. Now they have to come to my shows. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you think is universally true about your style of music that transcends to all genres? Interesting. Um, I would say melody and, and uh, harmony. And actually, that's one thing that um, I try to do with my music is make it more timeless in a sense. Uh, so we basically have access to a lot more tools than um, a lot of musicians. As as a producer, I have access to a lot more tools than, say, like a saxophonist or a band like that has a drummer, a bassist, and a sax player or something. I have, um, or like, uh, I have access to a whole symphony orchestra if I want to, and all the synthesizers I could imagine just in Ableton, which means that. Um, I have to limit I because I have so much potential, I also have to limit my palette to a certain like mm -hmm. rule set. Mm -hmm. So that that would essentially be like 
I want to write music that that still harkens back to the music theory of rock, hip hop, jazz, funk, but the only thing that changes is the sound palette. I can I can make like rock, but I can incorporate these crazy like bass wobbles into it or uh I can do jazz, but it can also have like a steady backbeat that's a digital backbeat instead of like a drummer. Or I can combine a, a drummer with a digital backbeat, which is what I do a lot with the trio. But basically what I what I want the the common thread that I want to keep like that I think applies to all genres except for maybe IDM and like ambient and uh there's certain there's certain genres that defy the laws of music. Uh <laughs> So those, so in that case, all bets are off. But right. when it comes to like music history and Western music theory, I do try to stay in the lineage of like the thing that my music would have in common, say, with something from like 1920, is still like uh, knowing about uh, chord theory. So like uh, a two-five-one chord progression, like ba ba ba, um, that is something that comes from like jazz back in the 1920s, but can also be heard in like some of my music or like pieces of that still come into play. Mm -hmm. The idea of like tension and resolution in the, in the musicality of it. And I also, the idea of like groove and uh, like feel and stuff like that. Yeah. Those are all very interesting nuances that I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't normally reach for. Right. You know, adding that human element is, uh, is uh, interesting to hear about. Um, so, uh, another question outside of musical interest, are there any areas you draw a great deal of your inspiration from? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, well, I think you could say like the, the concept of a Rube Goldberg, which is one of these, uh, it's one of these like games that you used to play when, like when we were young, where you'd set up a big chain reaction. So it's like, uh, a marble goes down a marble chute and when it gets to the bottom, it falls onto a lever. And on the other side of the lever, there's like another thing. And it's just right. kind of like this ongoing process that, that ends in like maybe dominoes falling over and like they ring right. a bell or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I like to incorporate like those ideas into my music where, where things naturally lead into each other. And that's almost more of a, it's, it's almost more of like a meta. It's, it is a lot of it is a metaphor. Like I've heard music is kind of something that just like shows you the, like some basic, uh, metaphors of the universe but in a different way mm -hmm. so I, I feel like that's another thing I try to incorporate into my music is ideas of like change over time and like in interrupting the listeners uh, like focus and maybe like bringing them back into the present moment mm -hmm. um, does that kind of answer your question yeah no that's uh that's very interesting. The first thing I thought of was like shoots and ladders <laughs> in a way, like, a, yeah. like a, that, that kind of like nonlinear board game that kind of is like a 5d game of chess. That's like falling into itself in a way. Um, yeah. I love visual, like, uh, uh, core, like correlation and stuff. Like I, I like audio visual stuff too. And so yeah. like if it, you know, stuff outside of music that influences the music also maybe envisioning where people are going to be when they listen to my music. So like, maybe they're on a road trip through the right. mountains or something, or like, or they, they went into the mountains with their friends for uh the day to just like hang out or like find a cool like spring or Creek or something. And they're just like throwing on some tunes and hanging out, you know, like that's kind right. of where I envision my music being listened to, like going to the park for a picnic. We're going to bump some tunes or like <laughs> um, also the late night festival setting, like 2 a.m. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You're a 2 a.m. slot kind of cat. <laughs> 5 a.m. There's not enough people awake. So we got to, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta push it back a little bit. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. I love it. Katie's got some questions for you. I do. Well, his first question is more of a prompt. Describe your ideal creative partner. Wow. Uh yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think somebody who um who who is willing to and capable of generating a lot of ideas and having a lot of ideas. Um, because I do enjoy being in like the producer role where I'm kind of like, that's a good idea. That's a bad idea. And kind of like helping someone else sift through all their ideas is something I, I can be good at. And I also have that same skill. So when you put me in a room with somebody who's really good at having ideas and, and has competent ability to play their instrument or to use Ableton or to sing or whatever it happens to be, um, then that's when the magic happens. Cause then it's like, exponential growth like i could work at one speed when it's just me but if someone else is bringing just as much to the table in terms of like they don't have to like like go back home and and work for two weeks and then come back and show me what they made and then have me have feedback and then go back home and and work for two weeks again that that like time span makes it hard to finish projects so what can be really helpful is when put on the spot, can you come up with like a bunch of ideas until we like one of them and then to move on to the next uh, step of the process. And I think anybody can learn to do this. Um, it's just, it's really fun to work with people who've like honed that skill by doing it a lot. And that's actually one thing that I've been working on a lot more is like uh, pure improvisational jamming, like with the trio and stuff where we're having all the ideas on the spot. And that, that kind of thing can be really fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to collaborate with people who uh, also who have different skills than I do too. So it's not like perfectly redundant. Uh, I mean, at, ultimately, I think everybody has slightly different like focuses and skill sets. But for instance, uh, I really like working with guitarists because I know I'm not quite good enough at guitar to like play the ideas that I have in my head. So uh, it's nice sometimes to pass an idea to somebody else and like see what they can do with it and then have them mm -hmm. pass it back to me. Um, but yeah, so ideal collaborators, definitely. Um, also people who who love jazz because I love jazz. And so definitely always looking for people who um, who ha have similar uh, musical direction, um, people who love chill music and who aren't afraid to like uh, play something that um, might not get the crowd like going crazy but uh might just kind of help uh tell a story through the set you know pr curate moments that people can have mm -hmm. together with like the right kind of a vibe i guess where i'm going with with this is to basically say that i like i, I could probably collaborate with pretty much anyone and but i do have like my preferences like jazz uh maybe like virtuoso like somebody who's really good at an instrument is really fun to collaborate with and um, people who uh, can have ideas like on the fly. Absolutely. Agreed. By the way, that new 5 a.m. trio rendition you've got, I caught you guys in Columbus and that was an amazing show. And the jams that you guys uh, got into, I was elated. It was a lot of fun. Sweet. Yes. Thanks so much. That was a blast. That's a really cool venue. Summit Music Hall, just like holds it down for the local scene there on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, every city should be grateful to have a place like that where uh, fans of of weird music or interesting music can go and just like 
uh, take it all in and, and, and link up with other like minds. So that's a really cool space. And I'm definitely stoked for whenever I can get back there next. Uh, and I got a lot of love for everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Love that place. Hell yeah. This is flowers on the stage, a podcast about being creative and finding success. To support it, please check out our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing, Thrax CBD, and Ticket Relief, the ticketing company that plants trees with a portion of each ticket sold. And now, back to the episode. What's been going on in your life recently that you expected and that you didn't expect? Mm. Let's see, that I expected? Uh... I expected uh, to be working on a lot of music during the next two weeks and also taking a little bit of a break from a different perspective because I I don't have any travel until December 15th, which is 10 days from now, which for me is uh, more than usual. (laughs) So I'm like, cool, I have next weekend just hanging out in Philly. So uh, that's a little bit rare more recently. I've, I've gone on, uh, you know, like four night runs or like I have a, two festivals in a weekend or like uh, just went to Portland last weekend and stayed a few extra days, which was really nice. But it's even nicer to just be hanging out at my house uh, and re- recovering and kind of taking that time to be creative and dive into my process, which is a little harder to do on the road. I mean, I'm sure you guys know how things can quickly fill your schedule up, even on days when you planned to do nothing. There's always mm-hmm. more to do. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, I'm excited to just like actually do nothing. <laughs> Sam, I want to, I want to take this conversation to the side a little bit. And so you, it's been how long, how many years have you been, you know, at this as a professional? Uh, I would say 11. So since 20, 10 i think or 20 so over a decade well yeah obviously like things everything from music production to promoting music has uh, shifted in the last you know 10 plus years genres fan preferences you name it and i'd love to hear like you know from the inside looking out how do you see it shifting and like what are you doing to keep yourself fresh and relevant as you know things continue to shift that's such a good question. So I think that like the way that the scene shifts and music shifts is so emergent, it's hard to like predict. Um, do I see trends? Uh, honestly, it's 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 hard to say that I see like big trends, but I know that a lot of us are getting into AI uh, music, so incorporating AI into the music, but AI can only work off of what it already so um like an ai can only be trained on sounds that have already been made so can it make more sounds that sound amazing probably and who knows maybe that'll lower the bar for how hard it is to make music and uh all music will just get better but stylistically i don't know what that and that's a that's an optimistic view of course and stylistically i don't know whether that means the music changes or just there's more it's more saturated but so that but that is something that where a lot of us are going to get into is like and and maybe the quirks and the weird glitches about the ai like the way that the ai uh works will start to become um stylistic elements in the music like 
certain types of AI are very choppy. They like chop through a bunch of different samples in a random way. And um, that might cause the music to become more choppy. Uh, that's just one example, but I'm not the best. But I definitely think people like Earthime and Mr. Bill and act, believe it or not, actually, uh, people like who are, who are maybe some of our favorite artists in the bass music and glitch music scene are using AI to like are like getting into using AI. Um, but that doesn't even really speak to like what kind of music is going to be made. Personally, I'd love to see it go to more jazzy music. I think that would be awesome. Or like some of my favorite jazz artists are like uh, Yousef Days or like uh, Kamal, Yousef Kamal, I think is what their side project is with Kamal Williams. Um, Thundercat, uh, uh, Austin Peralta. Like when I talk about like the moody, jazzy shit. Um, also people like haywire and anomaly and um yeah i i just think that that fusion of jazz with electronic music and jazz fusion that's where i'd love to see not even jazz necessarily it doesn't have to be so complex so many like like stacks of notes in a chord or like chord changes but um musical music so like josh teed playing or like Star Fox playing violin and trumpet and stuff on their beats um, when I look at the scene that I'm a part of, I'd love to see more of that, like people expressing themselves on stage uh, in tandem with the like the like CDJ culture of like the like, yeah, bu, 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 like the, you know, the house and drum and bass and dubstep. Um, I would hope that more and more people start to like express themselves on the microphone while they're DJing or like express mm -hmm. themselves using a turntable or a keyboard or um, bass guitar. Uh, you have to travel with more stuff, but ultimately it's more fun and it engages more people. And I like, would love to think that, um, that would be enough to create like an even bigger scene for bass music and for electronic music is for, uh, bringing in like instruments back into the equation. So I, I have to ask you with that and that, um, I think I kind of know how you'll answer this, but I'm curious, does with that, do you, does AI excite you or does it scare you? It, uh, it excites me. I mean, it's, I, I think that like, uh, you could be scared of it, um, but it's a wave. And so the best thing to do is to try to ride it or hop, you know, on it rather than to, uh, shun it and pretend it doesn't exist. And I think the same is true of like a lot of things like social media and, um, any trends that pop up, uh, whatever the next big thing is, it's like you don't have to by any means um, jump on it just for the sake of doing that. But it's kind of uh, worth looking into and experiment with, experimenting with, having fun with for however long the trend lasts or however, you know, whatever you can create with it. Um, there's no harm in, uh, in seeing what it can do. I guess I would hope from the intellectual property like standpoint that um, – libraries pop up that where the artists who contribute to the uh learning model or whatever mm -hmm. uh are compensated fairly and then contribute their their artwork or whatever discography to the library and then um there's some sort of a contract that's like i sign away my rights to this work to be used in that library but at least you get like some kind of big payout for it you know that'd be really cool um versus just like an AI that scrapes all of recorded music, you know, cause then it's like, Oh, there goes everybody's like, uh, intellectual property or style, like playing style. Like there's so many things that, I mean, shoot, maybe it'll just happen. Maybe like 
you know, some AI will just have access to everything. And would that be uh, bad? I don't know if it would be bad. It would just be different, you know? It would just be like, oh, now, like, originality is something that, um, like, what I I do wonder what humans will be able to add at a certain point, maybe 10 or 20 years, that an AI can't do. My next question for you, Sam, what do you think it is about music that can cause forward to heal people? What do I think it is about music that can cause it to heal people or that can like help it heal people? Let's see. Um, hmm. There's something about the uh, the like uh, like when two resonances are stacked like on each other, like a like a root and a fifth, like mm -hmm. like a, like a C and a, I want to say a G, uh, are playing at the same time. If you look at that um, visually, it looks very nice. It looks harmonious. It's like a big, a big wave, and then it's like a little, a smaller wave inside of it that it, where everything lines up, and it's just like a nice image. And I think um, there's something about that unity and harmony and like, like pure resonance that works in the audio dimension as well. And so I, I think that one thing that um, that causes us to feel like such strong emotion when we hear music is something about that resonance, like the, uh, the purity of the tones that we're hearing that causes us to like, to just feel good. It's, it's something deeply ingrained within us. Um, and I, I don't know like the mechanism for how it works. Uh, does it, I don't necessarily believe in, um, sound healing from like a geometrical perspective like 4 through 32 hertz is like the best i think it's all it's all relative like like it's not about the exact hertz frequency so much as it is about the relative frequencies like the relationships mm -hmm. of those frequencies and the way they create like a warm um like a like a warm bed of uh sound for us to kind of i've heard i've heard somebody say that it, uh this guy jason silva who's one of those um one one of those one of those podcasters <laughs> uh he's like uh music makes room for our pain so like if you're feeling something really strong and you don't know what to do with it or you don't know like where to put it uh you can listen to music and the time that you're listening to the music is like time that you're not worrying or time that you're not like stressing or working or uh, dealing with other people or dealing with bullshit. You're just literally sitting there. And so it might be a way of like forcing you to meditate or forcing you to feel something that you weren't letting yourself feel because you're like tuning into the music. When you're writing music, is this something that, are you doing it with this in mind? And like, like what is your process like? Yeah, um, I am doing it with this in mind. Uh, and like, I think, I mean, it's in it's in the way that I t I try to like talk about my music and the message I want to put forth. Uh, I want it to be wholesome. I think it's really important. Like, it might be like for like, I've always felt I don't believe anything too strongly. Like, I don't believe even my deepest hell beliefs. I'm like, yeah, I might be wrong about that, you know. And um, one of them is like, I, I really do think music can be healing for people. And um, I think one big reason why is like. Okay, so uh, sorry to get all deep on your podcast, but like, <laughs> let's get deep, Sam. Let's like, do it. I got my water. I'm yeah, ready. You ever hanging out with somebody and like, 
they're about to like lift a drink up to their mouth, but then you're like, so how was your day? And then they put the drink. <laughs> I saw you just doing that. <laughs> they put the drink down and then they start talking to you and they start talking about how their day was. And then like, if that drink is like, is that if that drink is like maybe their fifth or sixth drink of the night or something, and they're like not actually doing that good. And, and you just gave them a chance to like talk about some shit that's going on. That's mm. like, you're literally like cha changing what timeline we're in. You know, you're in the timeline where you actually said that thing and like asked that question or you're in the timeline where you didn't and you just let them keep drinking and kind of was like, all right, see you later, walked away or whatever. And it's like, you know, sometimes uh, you might not know when somebody needs to be distracted from whatever they're like circling back and forth about in their mind. Like it can get, it can get uh, pretty chaotic, especially in the day that we live in right now, there's a lot of chaos going on in the world. So I think people literally just need to take a minute sometimes to either like talk to a friend or be with themselves without uh without like substances or without distractions or without um like my vice is uh podcasts literally i'll just have podcasts on all day like in the background like like white noise um but then i'll tune into what's happening on the podcast and it could be some chaotic bullshit and it's like or i could have music on all day and it could be beautiful and so mm. like you know what music what music can do is uh take your mind out of whatever uh, problems you were dealing with in that time and like uh, actually shift your focus to something beautiful or whatever the lyrics are about. Um, so yeah, process wise, uh, I, it's hard to say. Pro I start with like a drum beat <laughs> and then I put down the bass line usually or like some chords. Um, but like where does the, where does the artist in you meet? this um like fundamental beat that you're making um like where do you take these bass and these drums mm -hmm. and you turn it into this container if you will yeah that you're describing uh a lot of it come the a lot of it comes like into play with like a feel so it's like if I'm feeling a certain groove or something, like if I'm feeling like a, like a chill head nod, then it might come out to be like, and then I'll think I'll just like start to get into that groove. And then I'll be like, all right, what would come next? You know? And it would like, come next. It would be like some chill keys that are playing like a minor nine chord or something. And like, I'm kind of into the flow. How'd it go? <laughs> and then like, some of my favorite music has like certain melodies that I, that I like to think about or, uh, or, or bring up and like recontextualize, like, how do you write a riff? One of my favorite ways to think about it is you take like four, like the number four or like, um, and you, so, or you take four quarter notes and instead of a riff, maybe taking up four quarter notes, it could like, or a note, it could take up three quarter notes. So instead of being like bump, 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 it could be like bump 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 like uh if we have like a, a beat that's like boom clap ba boom boom clap then the riff could be like and what that is is if you divide it it's one two three one two three one two three four one two three four one two one two three one two three one two three four so it's the like one two three one two three one two three you're dividing time like differently uh to create the syncopated rhythm rather than a straight 
forward rhythm. And what that does is like some of the best riffs out there, it just kind of creates these offbeats where the listener or the dancer can kind of like groove and dance a little bit differently versus just like a straightforward uh, beat. So I'm thinking like if I wow. wanted to randomly generate an idea for like what to play, I'd be thinking about it in the... Uh, the melodic domain, like what's what are the notes that I'm working with? Usually that'd be like a, a scale or something. I'm thinking about it in the time domain. So uh, when do those notes happen? And then I'll just like experientially when I'm like actually playing it in, I'll just press record and then Ableton counts in and I'll just like sketch something. I do I do sketch on my keyboard. I guess the best way to answer your question is that a lot of my ideas come from sketching them out on my keyboard first and like sometimes like in the morning um i'll just like wake up uh my part of my morning routine is playing keyboard so like you know grab some coffee come back upstairs if i have time just open up my uh, keyboard app on my computer or go downstairs to the keyboard i have down there and just start noodling around and and playing with some chords and notes and stuff and then um Oftentimes that just turns into a song idea before I know it because I'm, I'm just jamming on it and playing around with it. Um, and yeah, uh, the connection between the emotional side of it and the uh, technical songwriting side of it is definitely like a mystery. It is very mm. like, like, where did that come from and how come now it's making me feel something when a couple minutes ago I was just noodling. So zooming out away from kind of like your technical process, just, you know, yeah. you, your life in general, maybe your life as an artist. What is something that you believe now that you didn't believe when you were younger? This is a tough one. I like it. There are certain things I believe about maybe how I have to live my life. I've changed maybe my priorities. Um, I I am a very self-focused uh, person. I, I'm trying to be more... Um, trying to be more open to tuning into other people and what they feel and what they want and need. And maybe like on a larger scale, helping like putting my focus out into the world and how the people around me are doing versus how I'm doing. Mm. Uh, but right now, for now, I am a very self-focused person. So that's something I, that's where I'll put the focus is uh, I used to think that um, in order to like have the life that I wanted and I've, I've always struggled with, uh, uh, socializing and social life and dating and stuff like that. And I used to think that to have the life that I wanted, I needed to make myself the best I could be and focus on my pursuits and basically just hunker down and like go in, into myself and really like work on myself and work on my craft. And then the right person would just come and in, come into my life at the right time. I really believe that. And I had people around me telling me that. And then uh, at age 30, at every age, at age you know, I, I had this thought so many times like that, like they always told me this would happen, but it never did. I just keep going around, going along, being like the person I am and ha making great friends and all that stuff, like, you know, now and then, but not really feeling like fulfilled in my friendships or my relationships or um, basically just like what it came down to was I actually wasn't interested enough in other people. And mm. um, so I, I thought that you had to like, you know, be a little selfish to like, uh, to, to like 
cement and like solidify like oh great i have this now i have this brand it's like my music that i make and i have friends because of it now and but like i never really learned how to like have relationships because i was i mean i had some great friends don't get me wrong i've had people who've come into my life that i'm super grateful for everything's on like a spectrum but like i didn't um prioritize spending time with people and now i now i'm learning to do that like this year i really am learning to be like i'm just going to reach out to this person who lives in philly who like i keep seeing at shows and we say we we should like hang like i i have i have one friend uh harrison droid visuals we always see each other at shows and the, the running joke is that um i'm like dude we should go for a walk sometime and he's like yeah we should do that we live like three blocks from each other and then we never do. And then the, at the next show, we see each other. It's like, dude, we should go for a walk sometime. And it's, he's just like, I'll hit you up. And I'm like, no, I'm going to hit you up first. And then I, I'll text him and be like, we still didn't we still didn't do it, did we? And he's like, no, we didn't. And then I'm like, you want to see who can go the longest without hitting the other person up? And he's like, no, that's a terrible idea. We, we should hang out. <laughs> like, I, I really am starting to realize that that I need to, like, it's not about diving a hundred percent into like, this is for all my introverted producer friends who are like still where I was like maybe five, 10 years ago. Uh, I need to make the best possible product and like get my career in order or like maybe main, more mainstream people who are into hustle culture. I need to hustle harder. I need to wake up earlier, take more cold showers. It's like, no, you need to like hit up that person who, seems kind of interesting who you always say think you should hang out with them and just like grab a beer and catch up mm. and you might come back to the studio even more inspired to make music because you did that and that's kind of that's what i've it's it's tough love for myself that like i'm pretty hard on myself but like that's something i really regret not doing more of in the past just like making random connections with random people i love it as a musician as an artist, what would you say is most important to you when it comes to how you define a success for yourself? If I can be creative with a vast majority of my time, maybe like if I can be in the flow state as much as possible and creating as much as possible, um, that's still how I define success. So maybe 80% is ambitious, but at least because, you know, some of that time I'm sleeping, but in terms of my waking hours that especially my working hours, if I can be actually creating for as much of that as possible, I'll know that I've made it because right now it's a lot of posting a lot of, uh, like doing like private lessons, sound design projects, one-off things. Like it would be amazing if I could, if hypothetically, if I was to take a month off, I would still have all of my expenses paid for and um, I would still be, you know, sustaining my lifestyle uh, even if I didn't play a show or even if I didn't put any music out, that I was resting on enough of my like passive income from all the other projects that I had done and um, maybe things that I have on online and music that I have on Spotify, iTunes, uh, what have you that that money was enough to sustain me. That's how I'll know I was successful because I've, I've, I will have gotten a big enough fan base supporting what I do that um, it pays my basic expenses. So really when it comes to success, I'm just looking for like, I do want to be successful as a full-time musician, which I, which I am a full-time musician, but if I didn't play a gig, 
there goes my rent for the month. So mm -hmm. I, right now my career very much hinges on gigs. And mm -hmm. I think it would be really cool if gigs were like the icing on the cake mm -hmm. of an already sustainable career and um, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Bandcamp, Vinyl, all of that stuff was sustaining my day-to-day -day, like lifestyle and expenses. And um, a big part of that is going to be putting out an album, I think. So success could be, it could be coming relatively soon. I mean, I also, uh, I like to think that it could be, I could write my next like really relatable main song with mainstream appeal, like hit song that that could happen tomorrow. I could just be like, I could open up Ableton and 15 minutes, just sketch out an idea. And that idea could be that thing that just like catapults me uh, to where I want to be. But you know I what? It. I also feel a little bit of that success like every day because this morning I got to wake up and literally just do whatever I wanted. <laughs> like, not that I didn't do anything. I mean, like my schedule for the day, it was like, I mean, if you guys are curious. <laughs> yeah, I love how you have it pulled up. You have it blocked out. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely haven't always. Yeah. I got rent money. Uh, I uh, I made a big old to-do list for practicing for Mission Ballroom, opening for Papadocio. I had a podcast with my friend Cam. And then after I am finished, I'm going to be prepping more for uh, Mission Ballroom practice. So like we practice as the trio, but then I also have to prep um, individually for like what the set list is going to be, like editing all the songs, making sl sl slight adjustments to the arrangements for like the length of time mm -hmm. that we have to perform. Like we only have 40 minutes in Denver this time, so I have to consolidate a bunch of the jams to be shorter. Um but yeah, so I got to spend as much of my day as I wanted uh, doing whatever I wanted. Like earlier today, I played keyboard for, it wasn't on my calendar, but I played keyboard for like an hour, uh, walk, went for a walk, like on the walk, I got a sandwich. I didn't have to worry about like being back at my shift at a specific time. I feel like, I guess this is a long-winded way of saying, I feel like I'm kind of successful already because I get to do with most of my day, I get to do what I want and kind of. Um, like focus on music as much as I want to, which is such a blessing. Like I can't, I can't overstate how grateful I am for that. And I get to like, you know, uh, connect with other like-minded, uh, creative people talk about the stuff I've always wanted to like talk about with other people, like sound for virtual reality or, uh, mm -hmm. like AI music or just what's the latest synth that I, uh, want to, want to dive into that I haven't really explored yet. So with music being able to be my full-time job, it's like, I feel like I'm already there. Hmm. Katie's yes. got a question for you. It's yeah. Okay. I'm curious in the music industry, if there's other musicians like bands, producers, even pop stars, who do you look up to in the business sense? Yeah. Um, for some reason, the first one who comes to mind is Tycho. Mm -hmm. I have a sense that he has his hands in a lot of different, uh, in a lot of different cookie jars, as they say. And like, I don't even know, I think that's the term, but uh, wears a lot of different hats. <laughs> and uh, he does graphic design. He does um, obviously his music distribution and plays shows and he does a live band. So a lot of it is, or he at least has done a live band in the past. Um, it's all stuff that I would love to do um, is to have that lifestyle where uh, where I'm working on a, a something new every day. So I would love to do projects for like 
sync um like actually eskimo is is a guy who i really look up to because i think he did a full pivot for, uh, it's eskmo he did a full pivot pivot from playing festivals and making bass music to doing soundtracks for like netflix shows um and then actually uh in terms of like yeah more popular artists who i really look up to in their musical career um herbie hancock just for his longevity he's such a he's so prolific um flying lotus because he's he's a true artist like when he got bored of making lo-fi hip-hop beats, he started making horror movies, you know? It's just like, <laughs> he's like, I'm just going to keep making stuff. You guys can, like, uh, you guys can like it or not. And, uh, I'm, you know, like, he's purely just expressing himself, which I find really impressive and cool. Mr. Bill, because he has managed to really uh, flourish doing pretty much almost everything, like, I'm sure he's done um, scoring or like sync licensing music, but he's also put out multiple albums, a lot of collaborations. Uh, when it comes to the career side of things and management, collaborations are huge. Uh, video is big, like TikTok, Instagram. Um, and so Honeycomb is another one because he's been able to, uh, he was like using this, this website where you can, uh, randomly get matched with another user and you just have a video chat um it's 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 oh i think it's called omegle or yeah what is it omegle omegle you nailed it yeah <laughs> and, uh he he will literally just like log on and someone will be like hey what's up man and then he'll have sampled what they said on a keyboard and he'll be like up oh, man up oh, man up oh, man and he'll just like start a beat <laughs> so impressive because what he's doing he, it's like very disruptive he's just like uh he's creating real magical moments for people. Lots of people. Like he'll, he'll probably record hours of just like performing live looping for like many, many people on uh, this app and uh, then reshare those live loop videos on his Instagram and his TikTok. And now he just blew up from like maybe 10,000 followers to like a hundred thousand followers overnight a few weeks ago. But if you know him, it wasn't an overnight success at all. He was like grinding, like, the whole thing was like, I feel like I haven't spoken to him about this, but I feel like he's just like, I want to play music for as many people as possible, as often as possible. I just want to do this all the time. So he's just finding different places, Twitch, Instagram, uh, festivals, electric forest. He's played like stuff like that. Uh, any event that he can like realistically get on. He's open for T-Pain. He like went on tour with T-Pain at one point. So I really admire his uh, hustle, but it's it all comes from, it doesn't come from being like, I want to, I want to be a businessman with all this. It comes from being like, I want to play music for everyone all the time, everywhere. So that's, I really admire that. Do you have like a favorite sound that you like to use in your music <laughs> or to hear in other music? Favorite? Like mine is like a, like a bubble pop. Like a... <laughs> that's, so, that's so funny you say that. I was going to say maybe like bird chirps stuff like that, like distant, like a bunch of them. Like, cause I mean, there's so many different sounds. Another one of my favorites is water, like a Creek mm -hmm. or a babbling brook. Uh, a lot of the stuff gets sampled and like, or sounds like it's being sampled in some of my favorite artists, music like Tipper, um, Erythime, uh, Kaya Scintilla, uh, just uh, like mm -hmm. people who use field recordings. 
Yeah, I, I do. I do really like those sounds. But favorite sound is is near. It's it's a tough call. I think for like the bird chirp is definitely my favorite real world sound. Um, any and not a specific bird chirp per se, but like any, or like I'm sure if I I could find one that would be my favorite. But uh, <laughs> I've definitely heard some really cool ones. There was uh, in uh recently I went to Hawaii for a music producer retreat. It was called Synthesis Retreat, and um. It was on Big Island, and uh, the, they have these little koki frogs that go like, koki, koki, koki. <laughs> that sound is really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and Mindex, who was another one of the artists at the retreat, uh, sampled it for one of his uh, workshops that he led. He was like, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to repitch. I'm going to repitch these frogs. And then um, he was like, uh, I bet I bet the real frogs out there are like, who's that? He sounds He sounds weird. Like, cause he's pitching them up like up and down. They're like, what'd you just say about me? Because <laughs> the, the sound was playing over these really loud speakers to the, to the, to the master class, but he was like glitching out the frog sounds and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I love, I love some field recordings. Uh, and then I think favorite instrument might be the, uh, Wurlitzer or, uh, Rhodes, uh, electric pianos. Mm -hmm. Two of my oh, favorite yeah. sounds. I just use them all the time. I'm as as a electronic music fan. I've been I've always wondered this uh, as an electronic music producer. What's the difference between writing and producing? What does that look like? Writing is very engaged with your instrument hmm. uh, and with uh, sequencing. Sequencing is almost a synonym for writing. So it's what what comes next. That's a lot of writing. Producing is thinking about things more holistically, layering. Like producing can be like thinking about uh, layers that might be clashing or parts that might be missing. Mm -hmm. um, or uh, if you think about production from actually the traditional meaning of the term is part of it is knowing, knowing artists who might sound good together. So actually part of producing is networking and like being interested in connecting people because if you're a producer, you might be like, I think uh, Aaron's drums would sound really good with Keith's guitar. I'm going to put them in the same room and see what they can do. Uh, that's, that's part of production. Like um, I think this rapper's rap would sound really good over this beat maker's beats. I'm going to like set up a studio session, rent the studio time, use the software while this rapper raps. And then I'm going to like, like maybe maybe a mixing guy might actually rec or a re recording engineer might record the rapper but then the producer might come in and be like can you try that again but like a little bit more like this like that's almost like what a producer does is get like uh uh picky about like what they want to hear to create what they want to hear so that's more of like writing is more of like the immediate process of like like creating the demo even or figuring out what the song is, and hearing then like, the birds chirping while you're out on your walk, uh huh, maybe, yeah, yeah, and then and then that yeah, and then being like, uh, that inspires me to make something, like sitting down at your piano and just like coming up with something, and then and then hitting record on your phone like voice memo to like, uh, capture the idea, that's like part of the writing process, whereas production is like, adjusting the EQ so that the violin doesn't clash with the guitar you know that's like 
in my mind, that's kind of how those two things are different. Well, that sounds like it could potentially be a never ending process. Uh, is it like, is, <laughs> how do you, how, how do you know when a project's complete? It could be a never ending process. Yeah. And, uh, my, my bandmates would tell you that it is a never ending process. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it could be an ending process <laughs> because exactly. we have some great music we've been working on, but a lot of it's not going to be out until like middle end of next year, just because of like my, my release strategy is I want to put out, um, singles for a while and kind of build up my, my momentum on Spotify and stuff before I put out an album. The album will of course be more like the traditional album release, like merch, vinyl, distro, blog, blog write-ups, vi music video, but the singles will just hopefully be more like single, 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 single. And that yeah. way strategically, um, I, I can have some tracks that I don't worry too much or overthink. I just finish the track, put it out. It's good enough. A lot of what I make is overworked. Is like, <laughs> like it takes me a lot of work to get to the sound that I want to hear. I'm very like very picky and 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 a little pretentious. I, I went to a school, is <clears throat> an art school where you get critiqued. Yeah. And uh, in those critiques, uh, I had a lot of critiques. And in those critiques, you might think you made your best work ever. You might think you made the best work that's been created by anyone. I've made the best piece of art anyone has ever made. You bring it into critique the next day. And the first thing someone says is, I'm not really getting what you're trying to communicate here. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh, but what do you mean? But I just worked. I just pulled an all nighter. I'll have you know that I haven't slept in five days and you're telling me you you're not good. So now I'm so like, I'm so like sure that there's some other thing I could fix because every time I would bring a piece into critique, there was always something I could fix, whether it's like, it's hard to tell that the light behind, like I went to art school. So it's like, it's hard to tell that the light behind the guy is coming from the right because you have one shadow right here, but then there's another shadow over there. And then, so I'm like, oh man, I, I thought that was really obvious, but I guess I had to fix it. And so the same thing is true with music. People might hear, um, you know, Maybe it's not the people who I first send it to. Like my friends might be like, this is really cool, dude. But like someone with a really trained ear might hear something I made and be like, the snare's too loud. And so then I have to like go back to the drawing board or like turn the snare down and re-export it. And so up until the very last minute, I'm working on these little tweaks to the track so that when it's time for the critique, which in this case is actually literally just how many plays my track gets, which is a, which is a shame, but that's- right. You know, a lot of artists derive value from like just how popular their music is. Yeah, like that's part of my process is basically being like, all right, dude, pencils down. You've been working on this track for five months or you've been working on this track for three years. It's good enough. It's time to. And actually, one of my good friends, uh, Jackson, uh, who goes by Cal Black, said that um, by working on a track for too long, you're sacrificing the next track for the sake of this track. There's mm. you're sacrificing the next thing you could make for the sake of the thing you're currently working on. I can really resonate with that for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's something that we all can like learn from and like no one's ever, it's like a, it's a process of learning how to, how to let go of your work, even when it's, mm -hmm. uh, even when you, you feel like there are things about it that could be different. All right. Well, Sam starting to wrap up here. What have been the most impactful lessons you've learned about navigating through a situation where life just feels like it's gray and you're in a rut? 
Um, I would say that mindfulness has had a big impact on me. Um, sometimes you, you really do need to, uh, just like take a look around, like look up from whatever you're doing and just, and kind of like change your, change your scenery, change your setting, um, change or, you know, I've honestly, uh, I, I, I do struggle with a lot of things that are, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I was looking back at some of my old notes, uh, from when I was in school 10 years ago, uh, plus, and, uh, I had the same problems that I do now. It was the same. It was like, I could have written that yesterday. That's crazy. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, it's a lot of different ones and I've solved a lot of problems too, but it was, it was just some of the more abstract stuff, like being indecisive or like, um, waking up and feeling kind of like I got up on the wrong side of the bed and being like, I don't really know what to do with myself today. And then being like, uh, and then being inspired and like, you know, figuring out what, what my day looks like, uh, as I go, like just, and, and also things I struggle with, um, social like life and skills and stuff. Uh, other people might not, I'm just super hard on myself. That's another one. <laughs> uh, and, uh, being indecisive. So like taking a long time to do an easy thing. Mm -hmm. uh, getting stuck, getting distracted. And then the thing still hasn't been done. Um, stuff like that. Uh, everybody struggles with different stuff. You know, if uh, you, you mentioned like, if, if, if you're feeling like things are gray or like maybe they're mm -hmm. like monotonous, um, I think I've been really inspired for a while, maybe three or four years now, maybe less, maybe two years. I've been really inspired every time I sit down to try and make music. I think a big part of it is uh, a little bit of fitness, like exercise and um, yoga and mindfulness mm -hmm. are the things that have really helped me more than anything else. Um, because I think that you, you need to exert yourself like somehow. So if it's not happening through exercise and stuff like that, it'll happen emotionally and you'll get angry or you'll snap at mm. people. You got to like that, like nervous energy has to get out somehow. And so uh, for me, it's been really helpful to just like go for a run or go for a walk, get out, get out into nature. Um, I mean, those are all pretty uh, ubiquitous suggestions, but I really think they work or they, they work for me. Um, mindfulness. Uh, last year, maybe two or three years ago, I found out or like finally decided to start therapy and mm. um, went through maybe like four, you know, four different therapists or something, finally found one I like. And now feel like a, a weight's been lifted for sure because now i feel like i can have conversations with my homies where it's just like uh of course i talk to them about my problems it's not like don't be vulnerable with the homies of course that's another thing you can do but it's really helpful to have like somebody who's who you're paying to listen to you because then it's mm -hmm. like then it's like everything feels better when i go out into the world to like spend time with people i can pick up right from like right from a, a point of being of having already gotten a lot of that out of my system and 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 seeking solutions too like it's it's obviously not just like uh, in, from from my perspective about like talking about what's happening in your life but also like taking steps and if you have the mm -hmm. same conversation with this person every week like so did you do the thing and i'm like no nah, i still didn't do the thing and it's like all right well you're going to do the thing this week and i'm like I'm going to try my best to do the thing this week. It's like, you can only have so many of those conversations before you eventually like try it, you know? Mm. So that's something that if you're stuck, I really encourage you to, 
talk about it with people, first of all, because uh, you can only have, like I said, so many conversations, even if it's with a friend where they're like, so did you apply to those jobs or so did you, uh, did you like quit whatever the thing is or like, you know, whatever that conversation is, uh, eventually if you keep having that conversation, that's the first step to, to being like, all right, I'm going to do this for them or I'm going to do this for, you know, like I'm going to try to do this because not just, I want to make myself proud, but because I want to like, cause I feel now accountable to somebody to, to do it. So I think I I'm just remembering the word, like things feel gray from what you said mm-hmm. and uh, like how to get out of that or like how to like transcend that. A lot of it is like connect, connecting with people. Pretty lights was it's cliche, but pretty lights was closing a lot of his shows with saying like the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm. And when you're connecting with other people, you're not, uh, you're not just idling. You're not like stuck in a, um, in a habit or like a trance of like something you're ruminating on or worried about. You're able to kind of cleanse your mind by like connecting with someone else and, you know, maybe dumping some of that on them. Cause I think like, it's not terrible sometimes to just like talk to friends about stuff. It's like, a, it can be a good thing um, in, in like in health, a healthy amount where it's not the whole focus of the, the friendship or the relationship, but it's good to like talk about what you're going through and you'll get some feedback and they might be like, dude, I didn't know anybody else was feeling that I'm feeling that way too. Like let's, you know, commiserate about this. And so, uh, yeah, this has been a very topical thing for me lately because, um, like I said earlier, I've been experience, experiencing that life is not always just about sitting down at the desk and making music. And in fact, that can be sitting down at the desk and doing anything for hours on end without a break can be really stifling and like fatiguing. And it's super important to, to like uh, have conversations like this one with other people and get that, uh, you know, get some feedback and, and uh, commiserate about what life is like. Mm-hmm. So. I love it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a paradox, not wanting to kind of loop on whatever's going on, but also not to have walls up. Like you want to have your walls down without it being, you know, taking over the thing. Mm -hmm. I love it. Sam, you're the man, dude. This has been, this has been amazing. Absolutely love this. I got one last question for you here. If there's one takeaway lesson statement of what you're all about from from everything you've you've done and been through what would you say that is wow well first uh first thing that comes to mind is something i said at sonic bloom this past summer that i felt like was uh one of my favorite pieces of advice that i could give from all of this is everything is practice Mm. everything is practice for the next thing or everything could be like a practice like yoga or sitting down and like picking up a bass guitar and being like, I wonder what this thing does, you know, like next thing, you know, like, you know, a few years down the line, you could be, um, in a whole different place just because you decided to practice something. And just because you decided like not to give up because it was hard the first time, um, everything. And also, uh, don't put pressure on yourself, uh, too much for big opportunities because no matter how big your opportunity is, like I'm playing mission ballroom in two weeks, which for me is a big thing. Uh, it's just practice for when I play Red Rocks and Red Rocks Mm -hmm. is just practice for whatever the next time is that I play Red Rocks (laughs) or any other gig that I play. Um, So it's, it's all practice, but yeah, that's what I want to leave with. I love it. We got links in the description. 
check out 5am his website stay up with him on socials his releases all that good stuff sam anything you want to let fans know they should be stoked about here before we wrap sure um let's see playing in denver december 15th opening for papadocio mission ballroom we play early probably about 7 30 p.m um other things new year's in st petersburg um another papadocio show with mindex and mystic grizzly uh i have a patreon.com slash 5am music i have uh, an instagram at 5am music underscore and uh you can see all my links from there and that's where i do most of my shenanigans uh the trio is a band with zone drums and keith wadsworth also of wax future and we are uh, looking to play a lot of gigs in a lot of new places next year. So if you check out the music and like what you hear, uh, feel free to get in touch. Hit me up on Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, super grateful to have been on this podcast. And uh, thank you all so much for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Sam, you're the man, dude. Thanks for it's all you a- do. Thanks for the tunes. Need some 5 a.m. trio back here soon. Hell yeah. Thanks so much. Y'all, y'all are the homies. I appreciate your time. Uh, and, uh, I have a very special gift for you guys, which is that I am going to, uh, send you a live looping set. Amazing. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. Amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Sam. Thanks, awesome. Katie. Thank dude, you. Thanks for taking the time and, and take care of safe travels. Hope Denver's amazing, dude. Thanks so much, Cam. Cheers. Love y'all. Be well. Much love. Thanks.
Check, check. <laughs> that was a fully improvised looping set. Based on the track, Do For Love, or uh, What You Would Do For Love by Bobby Caldwell. Great track. And uh, just want to say thanks so much to Flowers on the Stage for having me on the podcast. That was a blast. You guys ask awesome questions. And um, yeah, stoked to be a part of it. Much love, everybody. Peace. I'm Katie Daly, producer of Flowers on the Stage. This episode is brought to you by New Belgium Brewing. <laughs>